Hey, what's up, DBC fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let us explain. Well, first of all, Freddie, the best part is it's free. There's nothing better than using a free, awesome service. To make the process simple and easy, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor helps people find your show by distributing the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Also, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I like like money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. We love using Anchor. It's a great platform that lets us hear from the fans and reaction theater with Anchor's Leave a Message feature. So when you create your account with Anchor, you can also utilize their feature and make your own podcast. TJ will uh, be your first guest. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Outside, door, bumper, clear the AT. Best car I had here in a long time. You're going to do it. You're going to win it. Right with you. You're clear. Check the flag. You win. Oh, yeah! Woo! Hey, what's up? Brett Griffin, spotter for Clint Boyer, Elliot Sadler, Myatt Snyder. Thanks to One Man Financial for bringing this podcast to you guys this week. We have got no TJ and no Casey, but we do have... I'm Matthew Dillner. I won spotter for Troy Ferdinando in a late model race at Stafford Motor Speedway. How'd that go? Uh, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, you only spotted one race. No, I actually spotted for my uh, niece, and the first time I spotted for her, I was so nervous that we were coming to the checkered flag, and I totally didn't realize there was one to go and as she was coming to the checkered flag i was like all right checkered flag you're you're good <laughs> you're done you can quit now uh, that what that didn't go over well spotting for people that you uh, it's not easy man it's not a job that you just hop right in dude it's yeah it looks I easy got better. yeah it looks uh, easy no yeah like, i remember standing on pit road when i was doing pr in uh 99 uh-huh and i was like the spotter guy could do better <laughs> You know, like it's like the the Monday back then. Those spotters, some of those spotters yeah. were a little. Uh, but it's the Monday morning morning quarter Monday morning quarterback thing, right? You're sitting on your couch and you're watching, and you're like, "Man, that guy could have done this." Yeah. And, and so during the race, and then you get up there, and you're like, "I wonder if all those crew guys think I suck, and I could make it do this better than I do." <laughs> but no, it uh, it's not as easy as yeah. it once looks. TJ is out on a leave. He's is, not babysitting. Is he gonna be? Is he gonna be okay? I think he'll be okay. okay. He's, He's tough. a little under the weather. Yeah, a little under the weather. Casey's on a rendezvous with her fiance. Casey's living my dream right now because she just went to Indiana Midget Week. Yeah, and like they were gonna come back for today. And Chad Boat, her fiance, just up and decides, you know, I'm gonna run Kokomo. Which, by the way, if you've never been to Kokomo, right? It's not like the uh, Beach Boy song. It's the greatest damn paradise there is as far as sprint car and midget racing. Right, right. So she's in a hauler right now. I think driving back. Yeah, the, the glam life, man. Yeah, <laughs> the roadie life. It's awesome. Yeah, those dirt guys, they get after it, man. They race yeah. over and over and over. Jason is going to be the super super sub. Super sub. Fill so in. you're going to be Casey technically, and I'm yeah. going to be TJ. I'm filling in for Casey, who you filled in for last week, and now I'm filling in for you. So it's. So explain to me what you were doing in Phoenix. Another PR conference. Shocker. So what? Are, what is? I hear all. Fix <laughs> where these PR conferences are. Like, let's just have a PR conference, and let let's the next one should be in Salt Lake. I don't know. I no, mean, no, no. They don't pick. They pick good places. Yeah. Like they pick really fun places. <laughs> They've been to Miami. Fun, They've been to Phoenix. They go where all the hot women yeah. are. We're going to Austin in October. Listen to this. You're going to Austin? Hopefully. See? Oh, yeah. I've got to see if you can record DBC one day, maybe. But we'll yeah, check. I, I could do it. But I'll tell you this. Uh, 
you'll have to go to one or two places I tell you to, or else I'll record it bad. So, so Miami, Miami, dude, you didn't have the shoes or the watch to to be anybody. I'm no. sorry. Yeah. I know what it's no, like to be yeah. a Broncos kid. <laughs> Phoenix, you definitely didn't have enough wallet. No, you you could have took no. the shoes and the watch out there, and it yeah. wouldn't matter because out there they look at your wallet because you were near Scottsdale. Yeah, Scottsdale, big money. Yeah, okay. But when you get to Austin, it's a bunch of drunk college kids, so you got a All chance right, I'm there. Good there. <laughs> yeah, you'll fit <laughs> Sounds in. Sounds good. Yeah. What, what, when's your twenty first birthday? Uh, next February. Next February. Okay. Got some time. Yeah, but you're going so, to Austin yeah. in October. Yep. So you better get a fake ID between now and then. <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> yeah. Surely you know somebody that looks remotely. You don't have to look like you. They just got to look remotely like you. Yeah, I could probably you know, find. They can have that? really black hair and a big nose. It'll be fine. Yeah, bouncers don't look that. What's hard. that cowboy bar? The honky tonk, the old one there. That which one in Austin? Yeah, I don't, I've never been to Austin. You never been to Austin? No, no. What's wrong with you? I got I got What's buddies that you? have been. Man, I don't want. That's a great all town. This, all dude. this free time that I have. Yeah, I, it's I mean, so easy to sneak free down time. there. <laughs> it's not like you could just go to Austin. You know, you got to have a plan to go to Austin. But I got buddies that have had bachelor parties there. And yeah, that play, that city is legit, dude. <laughs> I've heard of the traffic's a nightmare. But outside of that, yeah, our buddy Matthew Tomko, who listens to this show, okay, he uh, he lives in Austin now. So, so uh, Matthew, invite Brett. Yeah, if you're listening, invite me. And Matthew's, I think, rich. So, that Matthew. Yeah. Not so, this Matthew. Yeah. So if, if Matthew <laughs> would fly me down there on his private jet <laughs> and put me up in his uh, illustrious mansion. Then we can definitely make this. I work. sent some sarcasm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Matthew's rich. I think he makes a good living. Uh, but no, he's good, dude. He he loves his show, so he'll uh, he'll appreciate the shout out. So Jason didn't watch any NASCAR content. He didn't watch a race at all. Like I I, I missed it because I was like I got to wake yeah. and all this stuff, and it was like, but I at least watched the cut downs. I watched some highlights to see some wrecks, see what happened. Denny Hamlin wrecked. Yeah. That's all I saw, pretty much. Really? Yeah, he's I got loose. I looked at the Xfinity race a little bit to see how the arrow package looked. Yes. Yeah, that was really Definitely. Good. I think we need to touch on that at some point during the show, yeah. for sure. We can jump in the spot on, spot off. Let's First jump. topic. Let's jump. All right, spot on, spot off. Xfinity arrow package at Pocono. Oh, let's jump right into it. Dylan, did you watch that? I, I don't want to comment on this, because if you got my real comment, uh, no. Uh, yeah, I watched some of it. I think for the Xfinity series, it's not a terrible thing to do at select tracks. And that's all I'll say at it about that one right now. But for the Xfinity series, spot on um, at a few of these tracks. I don't mind seeing it. It was the exact same Pocono race we typically see. All we did was slow the cars way down. Yeah. And so by slowing the cars way down, I made this comment and I made some people mad about the all-star race. But when you slow the cars down, you make them easier to drive. And from where I stood watching thousands of races that I've watched, it honestly looked like I could have went and drove those cars. I'm not saying I could have done the restarts as well, the, yeah. well as those guys, and I could have been four wide for a lap. But as soon as that lap was over, it was single file, and they were running very, very slow. It didn't look like our guys were elite drivers, which we all know they are. It did not look like this package put on one bit of a show from an entertainment perspective. Like you, If you thought they were going to pack up, and I'll be very honest with you, I thought they would pack up some. They didn't pack up at all. I made a comment last week, and I apologize to the listeners. I said this is going to be a very exciting race, and it wasn't. Uh, we, we can't take this package as it is anywhere else, I think. Now, I don't know if we needed more gear. I don't know if we needed these guys to have, you know, smaller plates where they have more horsepower, or I don't know if it's just because the track didn't have enough banking to hold the cars up. But one of those two or three things mattered big time, and we pretty much saw a typical Pocono race 
at a slower pace with the cars easier to drive. And I can, can say I never want to see this package again or remotely anything that looks like this package again at Pocono or Indy. Now, when we get to Michigan this weekend, I'm not going to so tell you. Don't you. Want it at, you don't want it at, at Indy either. No. Really? Hell okay. No. no, it's the same thing. It's, it's too flat. You know, it's, it's just not going to do anything. There's not enough momentum of the car behind the lead car to get a big draft and suck up. I think our whole uh, hope of this package was we would get the second car in line to really yeah. suck up and get a run and, and create what we know as NASCAR racing and stock car racing, which is side-by-side stuff. We didn't get anything close to that. So for me, I never want to see this package again anywhere uh, with, with, with corners that aren't very, very, very banked. Because in order for this package to work, they have to be almost close to wide open all the time, and that's not what they were. Can I? Is it possible in a podcast to to hear a high five? Yeah. Okay. I think you heard high that. Five. I yeah. think you heard that because yeah, I'm so anti restrictor plate. I don't that I was scared to even talk about it today. Yeah. No. And I, I look. I mean, I get what we were trying to accomplish, and and I'm I'm glad they they tried it. I, in honestly, the Xfinity series, I thought it was going to work because I thought turn one, you know, had enough banking for us to see some things happen. And to be quite honest with you, it didn't. I'm not going to go out on a limb like I did last week and say <laughs> Michigan and the Xfinity Series is going to be exciting with this package. I think it has it's be unpredictable. The, the opportunity to be more exciting if those grooves will widen out because we do know that they can run 170 miles an hour around there wide open. So uh, I hope that it works at a place like Michigan. And if it doesn't, you need to kill it and never run it again anywhere except Daytona Talladega. And I don't just mean kill it here. I mean kill Boom. it. Period. So, but, you know, everybody seems to – we always have good ideas on this podcast. And then somehow or another, a lot of them seem to get incorporated. So I don't know who listens to this show and who doesn't, but I hope they listen to that. Sounds good. You know? So this was pretty crazy how the IndyCar race at Detroit. GM executive Mark <laughs> Roos crashes oh. the IndyCar pace car. Legit crash. Oh. Who does this? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're on national TV – driving your manufactured car that we all know is a superb <laughs> car. And the 2019, only, dude. The only positive thing you have to say of this whole process oh. is, holy cow, our safety systems are amazing in this vehicle. And the only reason we they know are. they're amazing okay. is because you tested them. <laughs> Come on. Like, GM should be having so much fun with this. I saw they, their political. They should. They should. I saw their political PR statement, and it was just so uh, so corporate, right? But if, they're, if their social media par- department got behind this and got in with IndyCar yes. on this, they could make this into a publicity dream. Total, total viral. Because this guy, it's not his first time in a pace car. No. He's paced the field here, I believe, several times. Has he really? Uh, yeah. For each this Detroit race, race, yeah. For each Detroit yeah. race. And, and everybody knows that spot in the track, too, if you know that track. There's, there's a really wicked bump there. And he, it, dude, he hit it as soon as he was on throttle and that dang thing unloaded and he nosed it into the wall. And I got to tell you, he was probably so sick to his stomach. Yeah. You There's know. a more wicked wall inside than that wicked bump. I bet he felt that. <laughs> I don't know how much he felt the bump, but I know how much he felt that wall. What was crazy is the aerial afterwards. Yeah. Like the whole thing happens. And then you see an aerial shot and there's a pace car in a heap and safety trucks arriving. And there's like a pack of indie cars just sitting there waiting and they're all going they're probably I, I wanted to know what's in their minds like the same thing I just said really who does that I feel bad for the guy but you do I actually do he wrecked like if it was some celebrity that went out there and did it one time and he was obviously over his head I mean yeah the guy ran out of talent for yeah, sure but yeah. I kind of feel bad for him I don't know why a, those cars have a lot of horsepower they do the track dude. was wet right 
Um, a little bit, but it was it was that bump is what really did it. Yeah, he was probably running a hundred. You think? Yeah, probably about eighty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's you're on throttle right there where he hits because yeah. he was going slow probably through that that left. Well, you can see them. You can see him burn the right rear off of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it starts lighting up the tires. Uh, might want to stick to your office job, bud. Just a word of advice. Pushing papers and not pushing yeah, the put pedal. Your, put your white shirt and your tie on. And uh, <laughs> we, we appreciate you very much. So Joe I Mothers. heard Oriel Servia was taking over. Okay. And uh, so so we might not have GM execs, maybe. General Motors is, is awesome for motorsports. We love you guys. Thank you all for all you do for all racing series, not just NASCAR yes. series. Uh, but put your white and spin it spin it like they should they should take advantage of this they should do something really funny with this and if they They, don't they're losing an opportunity but they're gonna lose it they're scared (laughs) if you're scared go to church they're going to church they're done they're out it was fun to watch though yeah it was pretty crazy i mean let's be honest two or three hundred thousand people probably watch that race on tv right i bet you millions upon millions saw this pace car footage so oh yeah you know jalopnik had it on all the different you know it it definitely made its rounds on social media just like madonna said bad publicity is still publicity so people that had no idea indy cars were even racing that day (laughs) saw this footage and it gave them momentum and gave them traction and in sports that's really all you want yeah at all costs the bottom line is the lack of traction gave them traction yes (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Touche. No pun intended on the traction. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Here we go. Keep all rolling, right. Jason. Spot on, spot off. Larson wrecks Cope, and all hell breaks loose. So did you see Derek Cope yesterday? Now, I saw him going around. Man, this guy. So people don't realize. I had some people tweet. I guess I made a comment, and I don't, I'm not somebody who, uh, as I spot, tries to recall everything that I say, right? You're just – you're, you're in the game, yeah. right? You're calling the plays, and you're doing what you're doing. So I guess I made a comment about how bad he sucked and how he was in the way. And so one of the reporters tweeted it, and, you know, so under uh, a break or after the race, when I pull up my timeline, it's, yeah. you know, hundreds of people have liked this tweet. And I was like, man, I kind of bashed that guy. And then I was like, well, he kind of deserved it. He was in the way. So what people don't realize in racing is when you're extremely slow, whether you're broken or whether you just suck, you yield the faster car, the preferred lane. And at a place like Pocono, where it's pretty much one groove, that's the bottom all the way around. So Derek Cope would go in in the groove, wash up out of the groove, and completely screw everybody around him. I think Harvick lost the lead because of him uh, at one point in the race. We lost several seconds several different times, and we weren't the only ones. Larson caught him, and it was Larson, and then I believe Blaney, and then us. Yeah. And we were about 15 car lengths behind them. We were going to pass both those cars on the front stretch because Derek Cope screwed Larson that bad. So Larson dumped him. And he dumped him 100% on purpose. He got slowed way, way down behind him, and he realized, I'm getting ready to get freight trained. I'm just going to dump this guy. So he dumped him. He should have dumped him. The guy was in the way all day long. You know, that is what it is. But... By him dumping him, that's what created all those chain of events the vacuum. that brought out every caution after that. Mm-hmm. It, it's why Eric Jones wrecked. It's why Denny Hamlin wrecked. It's why Kyle Larson ultimately went on to finish second, the scenarios to which everything played out. Uh, so so when you look at uh, an intentional, and, and I'm sure Kyle can say he didn't mean to wreck him or whatever. Well, he has to say it, that so it, it doesn't get in trouble. It, it certainly looked like he dumped him, yeah. right? As he should have because the guy had been in the way all race. So uh, spot on, spot off, Larson wrecks Cope. I was spot on for it just because I was sick and damn tired of that guy being in the way. So frustrating. I'll be spot on for it also. Uh, you know, as a veteran, you you need – you as a veteran, he knows better. 
That's you know, what I thought. And that's what you think, and that's what you expect out of a guy that, that's won races in this series at this level. Um, but then I spot on because uh, for Kyle Larson, because he did what he had to do. He didn't, uh, he didn't, you know, wait and get freight train and then whine about it afterwards. He took care of business like a racer should. Yeah. And uh, he got the caution he needed kind of right there. So it worked out for him. <laughs> Our buddy Mike Harmon to end the second stage in Xfinity. There are literally eight cars coming into turn three. And they're two by two by two by two by two. I mean, we're coming. And guess who's parked on the bottom of turn three? Mike Harmon. And it's like, how many well, times? If you're parked, though, at the bottom of turn three, it's it's when they go in in the middle of the groove. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's parked they, all the way through there. Okay, because I was going to say, he if you pick a groove and you know he's there. He screwed the whole thing up. All he had to do in the short shoot is look in his mirror, uh-huh. listen to a spotter, assuming a spotter was Sex, talking. Exactly. Pull over, let those guys go, then go finish your lap. Exactly. The, the problem with Pocono for me was the minimum speed was obviously way too far off the fast pace speed for those guys to be able to stay out there. I mean, every time you called them, it looked like they were running 60 miles an hour. Like Arca so, style. Yeah. Know? But I mean, once again, you know, these, I don't understand how these same guys with these same spotters are always in the way. And I went down to cup spotter yesterday, uh, who is a guy that has spotted some races. I haven't seen him in a cup race a lot. And I said, get him the f- out of the preferred lane. That is all you have to do. Ask him yeah. to move up. Give us the bottom. When we get there, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to save yourself a lot of trouble yeah. today. Sure as hell, save, man. Save, what, every, time I look, tires. every time I look down there, people are <laughs> cussing and fussing and shooting this guy the bird. Like it just, and then it's not his fault. Uh, but you got to have a guy to listen and get out of the way. It's it's annoying. People have – like you can't imagine – and I've been in competitive cars, and when I'm not in competitive cars, I do everything I can in my power to keep them out of the way. Yep. That's all you think about is my guy's slow. We need to finish. We need to not get wrecked, and I don't need to be that guy. And sure as the world, same guys are that guy every week. Don't fail. Spot on, spot off. Outside the line on restarts and clean air still king. You know, I don't know how you fix this. You know, at, at, at Pocono, <laughs> where they're going so fast and they're punt that, that lead car's got all the air on his nose. You know, I I think I think we saw a really good race between three or four really fast cars yesterday, considering we were at Pocono. You know, I, I think that we all know Pocono doesn't always produce the most exciting racing unless we get a lot of late restarts, which we yes. did. Uh, but but the outside line on restarts and, and clean air still king. I mean, spot off from the theory of it, but it's just the way it is. Uh, spot off. I mean, I think our cars across the platform are too aero dependent, uh, whether it's side skirts and the splitter uh, and how we travel down to the splitter and that's it. Uh, yep. Whereas yep. traveling down to a valance to get it uh, sealed off is a different deal, and your, your suspension is different. Um, I don't like how sealed off these cars are. Uh, when I, I think it's made these cars more aero-dependent than sure, they uh, were. It definitely has. And, and I don't think we're addressing that problem. Uh, so, I mean, spot off. Um, I, I really think uh, we're too aero-dependent, and the, I'm sick and tired of hearing about you know uh, clean air. Clean air is, is a necessary evil. It's a truth in our sport. And it's always kind of been there, uh, but now over the last few years, the knowledge of it and the public knowledge of it from yeah. from the media standpoint, everybody talking about it, it's increased it. But then the thing that further increased it was sealing these cars off all the way around yep. all corners, four corners of these cars. Yeah, those side skirts are dragging the ground. Yep. I mean, they're on the earth. They're I, sparking and everything I else. I don't understand why we can't get rid of them. And if you look at the cars from years ago before the COT, mm-hmm. we had them curved in. Yeah. 
I think that would be a solution. Yeah. Spot on, spot off. Almarola tops his best Pocono finish by 11 spots in his first start with SHR. That's a big accomplishment. I mean, here's a guy that's run a lot of cup races and, and a lot of equipment that, that in the cup series certainly wasn't considered A-level stuff. You know, and you, you take a guy who here, – here's, the, here's the, the really spot on thing about it for me is he's never been in a position to get a good finish there, and yet he still comes out, he runs a good race, he finishes seventh. And, and improves his spot by 11 spots. So what that tells you is, you know, not only can, can he get it done and the car get it done, but he can put his pass behind him. Because I have to know, you know, working alongside a lot of race car drivers in my career, there's a lot of tracks you look at on the schedule and you can't wait to get there. And there's a lot you look at and go, <laughs> oh, God, I don't want to go this weekend. Can somebody go in my place? I'd take 15th and not even get on the airplane. I've been there with those guys. Yep. So I know this was probably a place that he was looking at on the schedule and scratching his head going, oh, this is going to be a challenging weekend for me. Because from a confidence standpoint and a performance standpoint, you've never done well. Yeah. And here he went out and he did well. So I would say the next place he's looking at, uh, if I know Eric and, and a little bit, obviously, and, and looking at his career, it's probably Sonoma. And he's going, uh-oh, this is the next one. But conquering this one gives him confidence going into that one. Spot on because we always – I'm going to say spot on for that race team because we always talk about Eric Amarola in the situation and how great it is for Eric Amarola. And he's having great finishes. And then we talk about the team doing well because of its previous driver, Danica Patrick's results just weren't up to par compared to where they are right. in results right now. Let's just say spot on for this race team too. Uh, here's a group of guys. Yeah, the team has changed a little bit this year, but here's a group of guys – that have endured some of them through some bad years, yeah. whether it's people in the shop or the road guys. Right. And now they're seeing, you know, some fruits of their labor and it's got to be an exciting thing for them. I mean, it's an obvious statement, but that's uh, often overlooked. Tony Stewart is a big believer in Eric Amarola. That's why Eric Amarola is there. That's why they went to, to Eric Amarola and went to Smithfield and said, Hey, Come over here. Be a part of this deal. Tony's wanted Eric to drive there for a long time. It just never worked out. So it's really cool that a guy – because, I mean, let's face it, man. Eric didn't just get here. This isn't his first opportunity. I mean, he's been a couple, three different places, and this is his last stop in a good car. Yeah. So if he doesn't make it work here, he's going to end up back in the B, C, D level yep. stuff for the rest of his career. And he's career. proven himself at almost all the levels, whether it's from the Gibbs development program and the late models to that Spears truck in the 75. Yep. And, and some of the things he's done, he's proved that he's a guy that can run up Ran front. well here. When exactly. he was at Junior Motorsports. Exactly. So I think those things have, have set him up to be successful now. And it's great for us because Smithfield's a huge sponsor in our series. And Eric's a good driver. He's a diversity program guy. Yep. Uh, so, but, but I'm telling you, man, Tony Stewart is the guy to credit for, for a lot of the reason he's doing this and doing it with us. And score for bacon. Yeah. yeah. We all love bacon. Do you think Al Morrow will want to race this year? I think he can. I think he can yeah. You know, uh, I look at a lot of places like the Richmonds and the Dovers and places I know that he runs well. And, and, and you got to realize, Jason, like the first time you go to a place with no playbook, they don't have a playbook. That 10 doesn't have notes, not their own notes. Mm, yep. Because you got a first time crew chief, you got a new driver, and you're coming off of a driver that wasn't, as Matthew said, a very proficient driver in terms of her stats and success. So, yes, we have a successful race team, but this team itself, when it goes back to the second half of the schedule, it's going to keep getting getting better because they've got a notebook. They know how they need to unload. They know what they need from practice to the race. And he's going to be a guy that's going to get better. And he's going to have to get better because he's still going to be looking out the front at Kurt Busch, Clint Boyer, and Kevin Harvick 
you know, who are all contending to win races. Obviously, Harvick's in a different world right now. I mean, yeah. there's there's three guys that are championship contenders right now. It's Harvick, it's Truex, and it's Kyle Busch. Yes. And everybody else is kind of fighting to be that fourth guy. And during the first two stages yesterday, I felt like we were that fourth guy. And then the third stage, you know, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden we're not even in the conversation to get a top ten. And you go, well – we're on the verge of being that fourth guy, but we're not there yet. Eric is sitting there looking out the front of his windshield, seeing how good we, the rest of us are, and he's, he's going to keep challenging himself. He's a big physical fitness guy, yep. you know, which I think speaks a lot. You know, people go, hey, do these guys have to work out? No, they don't. You know, they don't have to have trainers. It's not in most of their contracts, but what it speaks to for their race team is their work ethic. Yeah, it tells me, tells me how serious – Clint's got a trainer. He's never had a trainer. It's crazy. He's got a tra- Clint, Boyer, Clint Boyer runs. Clint Boyer's idea of working out was farming and, and throwing t- hay and bells. 12 ounce curls. Throwing hay bells around during the day and throwing back yeah. beers at night. And yeah. now he has a, a lady, a female trainer who kicks his ass every day. <laughs> and all that says to the guys around him is that's okay. this is how serious I am about being a good race car driver. Yep. And I think it I think it's true. You know, when I when I first got here and I saw Jimmy Johnson go on this fitness freak deal, I was like, what's he doing? Like, all he's going to do is screw it up for everybody else that's out here just racing cars and having fun. But he took the Ricky Carmichael approach from Supercross, which was, I'm going to outwork you when I'm not on my motorcycle. Jimmy's going to outwork you when he's not in his car. And now everybody's in that good of shape. I mean, Jamie McMurray rode a bicycle from Greenville, South Carolina, to the top of Mount Mitchell. It's a 100-plus mile ride. Not to mention five thousand vertical feet when you oh. get to Mount Mitchell. So you and I couldn't even thinking about it. Oh, mm-hmm. me too. But I mean, that tells you. You know, people say these guys aren't athletes. Whatever. If you believe that, that I'm not going to get into that argument with you because you're ignorant. Yeah. I guess I just got into the argument with. I'll them. get into it with you. But when they're out there running a race and their heart rates yep. are in the one thirties, man, that's in in a hundred and twenty five degree heat for four hours you know that dude i grew up in long island new york and i was the kid that was picked on my whole life for being a racing guy let's yeah. just uh, so of course you so, were. so i i mean i was dogged on my whole life and i remember telling a kid one time how about you do this how about you get in your car i don't want you to go 150 180 190 miles an hour yeah just give me 65 miles an hour yeah and go from this end of the long island expressway all the way out to riverhead raceway at the end of the expressway yeah and give that to me turn your heat up and roll your windows up. And I don't even, I, I don't care about the speed and the, and the mental agility of, you know, and the, the yeah. craziness of that. And just give me that short one hour drive. Yeah. Burn I'll, up. I'll meet you out there at Riverhead with a, with a uh, popsicle. Yeah. And we'll see how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reality of it. I mean, it, it requires a lot of focus, you know, it, it, I mean, look, I mean, we don't have to go there. We know, we know what it is to be a race car driver. I, I don't know what it is to be a race car driver, but having lived around this, we know yeah. those guys are athletes. I mean, now look, shoot, I raced a hundred and, a uh, four degree day at summer shootout in a legends car that has a screen in front of you. Yeah. So, and I could crack my visor open and, and kind of do this. So I didn't get anything in my eyes Yeah. and dude, I was burning up and that's a 15 lap race. Yeah. Nothing to it. Right. I mean, that's what they crazy. tell you. Oh, you can go out here and run GoPro for 10 minutes and almost your hands are shaking and your ribs <laughs> hurt. And you're like, man, I'm going 60 miles an hour. I'm doing yeah, it. You just said your ribs hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, speaking of GoPro, did you get any, uh, I saw some feedback about from that. Uh, yes, yeah, nice of you guys to make that video. I never heard from <laughs> Ford. I guess he's still mad or something. <laughs> I sent him a link to the video. Did you? Yeah. Good. Well, hopefully he enjoyed it. <laughs> Let's take a break. This is your Exalta Race Center update. I'm Matthew Dillner. 
The Pocono Mountains was the setting for 400 miles of Cup Series speed on Sunday. A packed grandstand watched as Martin Truex Jr. used pit strategy and pulled away for his second win of the season. Kyle Busch took the checkered flag in Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Pocono. Elliott Sadler scored the top finish for Junior Motorsports with his sixth-place effort and continues to lead the series standings. Junior Motorsports was in action as late models hit the pavement at South Carolina's Myrtle Beach Speedway on Saturday night. JRM driver Josh Berry scored the victory in the first of the twin 40 lappers. Sam Mayer finished ninth. Unfortunately, Mother Nature was the next winner as rains washed out the second feature of the night. The Cup and Xfinity Series head to the Irish Hills of Michigan this weekend, while the Truck Series two steps it to Texas Motor Speedway for a doubleheader with the IndyCar Series. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, please visit exaltacs.com. At One Main Financial, we believe in the importance of community. That means partnering with our neighbors to reach common goals, lending a hand when it matters most, and commitment to our neighborhoods. Community isn't just where you are. It's where you make a difference. One Main Financial, not just in the neighborhood, but part of your community. Providing personal loan solutions and one-on-one local service. One Main Financial, your needs, your goals, your dreams. Offer subject to restrictions and requirements of the licensee. For licensing information, visit our website or call us. We are back. Let's go into Fast Lane, where I'm going to give three topics pertaining to racing and one that's off the wall. Brett and Matthew will each have 30 seconds to respond. So first up, if Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss ever were to ever go their separate ways, who would perform better, Johnson without Knauss or Knauss without Johnson? Brett. This was a debate over the weekend, and uh, everybody that I talked to said Jimmy Johnson. I mean, when you when you look at that guy and you look at what he's done, and I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll find out one day who's going to be better, Johnson without Canals or Canals without Johnson. But I, I got to say, Jimmy Johnson, man, he's. I think he's a real life Superman in a race car. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jimmy Johnson's talents are unmistakable. Um, Chad Canals is. How do I say this? Anal retentiveness uh, in details and preparation and exhausting level of uh, dedication. Mm-hmm. And the exhausting level of dedication he requires from people is what makes him great, but over a long haul could be, in a way, something that's a detriment to him. I get it. And he's a champion and a Hall of Famer. Um, I would say Jimmy because of the fact that he's got that incredible obsessiveness as far as you know achie- achievement yeah. and, and being the best he could be. But... He's got a little bit more of a laid-back approach, which I think in the long haul saves. Jimmy may be the only guy that could tolerate Chad for this long. Yeah. You know, I mean, based on some of the radio conversations I've heard, based on some of the condescending things that I hear Chad say to a seven-time champion. Hey, he's a seven-time champion himself, too. I realize that. But as a <laughs> teammate, yep. uh, if if I'm your center, I'm not going to turn around to you as my quarterback right. and be a condescending you either so I, I think that you know when you look at it man I, I was fortunate enough to work with Todd Parrott and Todd had won a lot of races with Dale Jarrett and won a championship with Dale Jarrett so when he got to be Elliot Sadler's crew chief and he came in and he was assertive and he was Todd Parrott you respected it yes because Elliot hadn't warranted you know, he hadn't won a lot. Of, he won one race so far when he got to Yates, right? So when Todd got there, we won two races that year. 
and we made the the first ever chase playoff you know the sprint chase whatever the hell it was called then and whatever it's <laughs> called now i can't keep up with it but we made the first chase and and we did that under todd's leadership and when todd would become that assertive person on the radio everybody around him went hey we all deserve this but if that would have been Jimmy Johnson in that car and Todd's talking down to whoever, he's, you'd be like, oh, easy, dude. That's Jimmy Johnson. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I think if, if they didn't have that relationship for as long as they would, it yeah. wouldn't mesh. Yeah. If you, if you continue to trend the way Hendrick is trending right now with Jimmy, I think. But is that, is that, is the, that the Chevrolet thing. change or is that, you yeah, know, I don't uh, know. Here's the weird thing is, and, and this is all hearsay. This isn't us starting a rumor on this podcast. For years and years and years and years and years, come October, you would hear Jimmy and Chad are splitting up. Oh, yeah. You hear it all the They've time. They've had enough of each other. But if you watch it close enough, you can understand why. And then it's like they have the winter to get over it, and they show back up at Daytona, and it's a new honeymoon <laughs> all over again, and they start back winning races, and it's all fixed. So uh, I think that this is a cool conversation just to have because it's almost like you're saying, who's better, Richard Petty or Dale Emmon? Yeah. Who's better, David Pearson or, or, what was or Leonard the, what, Wood? What was the um, answer with Inman and Petty? It was they were better together. Yeah. And and Jimmy Johnson, I think, is on the Mount Rushmore of NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, undoubtedly, in my opinion. But is he better with, with Chad Knauss? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you don't change anything. I don't. I wouldn't. If I was Mr. Hendrick, I'd be like, stick together, get over it. Learn, build a bridge, get over it, guys. Yeah. I mean, you look at Ray Evernham, Jeff Gordon. You know, Robbie Man, if they had stayed together. Robbie Loomis came in there, and, and you thought, well, all right, he's a big deal. He's coming yeah. out of this, that, and other. And, and he and Jeff Gordon, Didn't they accomplished match. a lot really, really quickly. But they did that, according to the industry sources that we all had at that team, they did it with shocks and springs and setups that Ray already had set up for the next two months, you know, because Ray was going off to do the Dodge deal. Then after that kind of eight- to ten-week thing went away and Robbie Loomis was steering the ship, you saw a rapid decline in Jeff's performance. So – Sometimes when it's working, you, it works, and sometimes when it's not, you got to be patient and assume it'll come back. You know, I know that was longer than thirty. Much seconds. longer than thirty seconds. Sorry, nah, so that's my, okay. If it's good conversation, yeah. I heard that ding yeah. when you're talking about parrot, yeah. and I'm sitting there like, don't even ding that man. This yeah. is great insight. That like, you know, and that you know, being a guy that listens to the show yeah. and now getting to be a part of it. You know, the little insider type stuff like that is what us racing people like to hear. Todd so. Parrott can still get it yeah. done. You know, I, I watched him go get on his plane yesterday after the race and fly home. He's now with a a, a subpar team, uh, yeah. a, a team that's just hanging on. But I look at him when he was at the 95 last year yeah. with McDowell versus what the they 95. they did, how they turned around. Versus the 95 this year with Casey Kane. Like Todd Parrott and Michael McDowell ran better than Casey Kane and his current crew chief who came from Hendrick. So I think, but the problem was all the guys on the team are going, it's hard to work for Todd. He's mean. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Todd just, a lot of people have Todd just fussed trouble with that. Like they're, they're, they're little women, you know, and, and they need to grow up and become men because, and look, there are women that work in the sport that are tough enough to take it. I would say we can't judge that, though, until T-Mac gets a, a, a whole, a half a season and where we go, you know, like you said, showing up to these racetracks a second hey, time. I, I hear you. But he's got Casey Kane. If he didn't have Casey Kane, so Casey, I, I'd, I'd be like, uh, if he didn't have Casey Kane, I'd say, okay, you're right. But Michael McDowell uh, is a good guy who tended to run around 20th in yes. that car. Okay, Casey Kane is a lot higher caliber driver. Based Casey on, Kane didn't run uh, 15th to 20th most of the year last year. Uh, he ran 15th last year, won a race, yeah, won. you know, made a playoff. Uh, but nonetheless, we're talking about Casey Kane versus 
Michael, Michael McDowell. McDowell. Okay. Uh, we're talking about Todd Parrott, Michael McDowell versus yeah. what they have now. I, I think that because those guys in the shop jumped up and down screaming, Todd's mean, uh-huh. Todd got let go, and, and Casey didn't work with him. So, And they did it before the end of the year, and they let their engineer guy uh, – McLovin, I think, is his name. I think I worked with him at Richard Childers. Some of the greatest personalities in our sport that have led yeah. have been hard personalities from Suitcase Jake Elder. Yeah. You know, you, you oh, yeah. talk about the people that work with him. Right. It was not easy. No. Um, even Junior Johnson at times, you know, yeah. you hear stories well, about sure. how, how tough it was to work for Junior. But Yeah. yeah. Hey, I had a, a guy yesterday. There was a car owner that his driver missed an appearance about an hour and a half. He was late. And an hour and a half, that ain't good. And he pulled the PR guy aside and basically put him in a headlock and said, if y'all are ever late again, somebody better be here in body bags because I'm not putting up with you guys being late. And good. and I think that's, you know, when people say, well, how did I grow up? That's how I grew up. Yeah. You know, you were on time and you were ready to roll. And, consequences. Yeah. Yeah, you were held accountable. But now everybody gets their butt hurt and they get their feelings all in a wad and, you know, they start crying over spilled milk. But a guy like Todd Parrott, I'm just going back to this, this statement, he was – one of my favorite people I've ever worked with in a sport because I never had to wonder what he was thinking. When you saw him, he would be like, stop doing this. And you'd be like, 10-4, brother. <laughs> Do more of this. He'd be like, okay, yep. I got it. It's coming out of me. All right, here we go. You know, so I appreciated that. I, don't, I didn't like the management style of looking over your shoulder. And there's so many introverts now, and I'm not bashing what we have now, but engineers are leading our sport now. Not racers engineers aren't extroverts you know they're not people people they're they're introverts and they're computer people so a lot of times you walk into these lounges and, and it's not me because Booga is not like this Booga wears his feelings on his sleeve yeah. like you've never seen before. and he's a racer and he's a racer uh but but you walk into some of these meetings and you walk out going i don't know if that guy likes me hates me do, do a good job don't do a good job sitting there looking at that computer screen yeah it's just a no com- talking completely different human <laughs> element leading the charge now Versus what it well, and it's not a bad thing. It's just evolution, yeah. right? I mean, the the sport has evolved, technology has evolved. That was going to happen either way, you know. Now we got three engineers per team. When I got here, we didn't even have one. It yeah. was crew chief. He did it all. So, but it, but the cool part about it is having a work with a guy like Todd. You appreciate a a guy that'll put his nose to the ground, outwork you, and tell you what's up, and you just take it, take it like a man. Yeah. Steve O'Donnell said the restrictor plate package could be used in up to three more cup races this season. Which three tracks would you like to try this package at? Oh, boy. I was hoping I wouldn't have to talk about this first. But I I guess we do have some sound, so that saves me a little bit. So uh, Steve O'Donnell uh, was on Sirius XM uh, on Monday morning, and he had this to say. So the idea of running it uh, in this season came up. And so that's really where we are is, is looking at, uh, is that possible? What would it take to do that? And then trying to identify tracks uh, or, or a track where we could pull it off. So uh, nothing to report today other than, um, you know, those discussions are, are taking place today and tomorrow and, and continuing with the industry and, and really applaud the industry coming together to, to say, hey, let's let's really vet this and, and do it the right way. So, you know, hopefully we'll have something soon to, to let everybody know. But our intent is to try it if we can. All right, Matthew, thoughts? I don't want to comment, but I'm going to comment. Uh, I love my You sport. have to comment. I have to comment because I'm technically not a host this week. I'm yeah, more of an, an analyst. analyst. I'm TJ. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not very happy with this, uh, and there's a reason. Um, I think I've alluded to it uh, in the past, and I've alluded to, to it to friends. Um, you have this right here this is where we're at. This is where we went all the way over here to the left to try this package. 
Why can't we go all the way to the right here to try this package? I'm sick and tired of reactions like this and going to that left, okay, uh, with, with these more hour-dependent cars. Let's throw some big spoilers on them. Let's make them easier to drive. Let's pack them up. Let's slow them down. There's ways to slow down race cars, and the way to slow down race cars to provide better racing is by two things. A tire that falls off, and in my opinion, something we've never tried, which is reducing the tread width of the tire, forcing the cars to slow down in the corners. Taking horsepower away, adding aerodynamics and downforce is not the answer to our sports yeah, problems. 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. And I don't care. <laughs> I learned not to ding uh, anymore. I, you don't, don't <laughs> ding this because I'm just so passionate about this answer. And, and I don't think we're headed the right direction. You Why don't we two, just bring back the COT car? You get two tries, Matthew. Like you go first, and then I go, and then you get to go again. Go. <laughs> Dang, son. I'm stepping off the soapbox. Your face is red yeah, as yeah. your... Thanks for giving me the ding. Face you should have given it 20 seconds ago. Face is red as your shirt. <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing, and mine's going to take as long, longer than 30 seconds, but not as long as Matthew, I hope. Hey, come on. I had to follow up your there's 30 a, minutes on there's, there's a lot of players in this, right? The OEMs, yes. the race teams, the NASCAR, the sanctioning body, and ultimately a track promoter. Right, because whichever track gets this has to go out and promote it and, and sell tickets and for it. And the track promoters want this. And Marcus Smith got a lot of credit at the All-Star Race for being the track that tried this. So Marcus Smith is apparently pushing for this to end up in Kentucky. That's the big question is how fast can we get it ready and can we put it out there? We all have our opinions on whether or not it's great. It is what it is. I think from an OEM perspective, it makes us look way too much like the IROC series, and we can't go out and hang our hat on the Toyota dominance at, at Toyota winning the race at Pocono. You know, Chevrolet wins a Daytona 500. Like, that, the, the same package every week is going to get boring eventually, right? We, I, it is what it is. But the question here is, what three tracks would you like to try this package at? <laughs> didn't even, we didn't even answer it, the question. You it, answered And it. now you can give me 30 seconds, Jason. Right. Come on, I, let's go. I, again, I think it has to be at places that are very high bank. So it, it's got to be at a Michigan. It's got to be at whatever our most banked mile and a half track is. And, and I think that's probably Texas. You're in the corner a long time, long sweeping corner. If you slow them down to 165 miles an hour like Charlotte, they could probably run almost wide open, if not wide open. So if we're going to have to try it, keep it away from Homestead. And here's the thing, though, man. If you say Texas and we go do Texas two weeks before our finale – and we change the whole championship outcome because there's a big plate style wreck getting into one and it takes out half the field. And all of a sudden it's here a comes, you know, somebody barreling through the field that just didn't get in a wreck and he gets autom automatically just transfers to, to Homestead, man. Like we didn't work 34 weeks to get to that point as a race team. We all worked good 34 weeks to have the fastest car and the best opportunity to win. And, and this parity package that we're throwing out there. I don't want that that late in the season. Track-wise, though, track-wise, it makes sense at a place like Texas. I'm going to pick my three tracks right now. I'm going to pick Birmingham, Rockingham, and North Wilkesboro because we <laughs> race at zero of them. <laughs> and that's where I want this package run. I don't want this package run at any points-paying races. I don't mind seeing it at Charlotte Motor Speedway. But a few weeks ago, you alluded to the fact that it takes away the hero factor of this sport. And I, I'm reminded of Ken Squire saying... You know, and this is captured in my childhood going to racetracks and seeing common men like you and I right. doing uncommon things. Yeah. And I think this package produces a style of racing that is common men doing something that you and I and Jason can do. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't like it. Well, that's what I said about the Pocono thing. I mean, yep. I watched them come under the flag stand. I'm like, I go that fast. I, you know, it wasn't a wow factor. Doesn't wow me. Yeah, I'm with you. Now we're headed to Michigan. Kyle Larson has won the last three Michigan races. Will he win again on Sunday and put Chevy back in victory lane for the first time since Daytona? Brett. Yeah, I feel like he was not a top four car yesterday at Pocono, and yet Chad found a way to, to get him a top two finish along with his uh, spinning of the old Copester. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he wins again. I don't, I don't think they have the speed yet. I mean, they, they were decent at, uh, at Charlotte but I don't think he's going to go. I think you're still looking at 18, 78, four, and you're going to have one more player in there, you know, and I don't know if that's uh, Logano or if it's a Clint Boyer or, or who that may be. Maybe it's a Denny Hamlin. Denny's got to wake up a little bit. I would say no. I don't think uh, Kyle Larson's going to uh, repeat and repeat, repeat. If it was a four, it would be four. Four in a row. Four in a row. That would be incredible. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, even though he's clearly the top Chevrolet. I honestly have this hunch, and it's because maybe he's ran so good at Michigan and Chevrolet at a, a place that is so important to the manufacturers, and Chevrolet's been hurting right now. I, I, I think that Chase Elliott is kind of a dark horse right now because of the performance of Chevrolet, but I think Chase Elliott is the guy from Chevrolet that this week could actually pull it off. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's out there, but I think the element for the fans to pay attention to at Michigan this weekend is will this track widen out? You know, having the Xfinity cars in this other package on Saturday may help the racing on Sunday yes. because they're going to be putting a lot of rubber down, especially on one and two outside of that bottom groove. So it'll be interesting to see how much that groove widens out. We all know the more it widens out, the more it helps a guy like Kyle Larson. So if you're if you're a Cup fan only. Pay attention to this race on Saturday because if, if you see those guys laying out a lot of rubber in the third, fourth, fifth groove, which used to exist at Michigan before we repaved before it, the repave, like yeah. this this could make Sunday's race a lot different in terms of what we see. And I'm, I'm excited about that for Sunday. Running 208 miles an hour, getting into turn one versus 165. Is exciting. Watching them Isn't stop it? to make the corner. Isn't watching it? them wheel it. Watching the cars be Pedal loose and fast. tight. You know, versus just ball. You know what I mean. Yeah. Off the wall topic. The Warriors and Cavs are meeting in the NBA Finals for the fourth consecutive season. Does this repeated matchup make you more or less interested in the Finals? Brett. You know, I'm all for in sports having the best teams compete to win. And, and when I look at guys in our sport that have gone out and won 10 races and people complain, well, he's winning too much. If they're the best team and that's the best driver, that's what sports are built on. You know, if, if we go out and, and we have three or four guys that can win, which yesterday we did, that's entertaining. You know, when you go to plate races, you got 20 guys that can win. That's entertaining. But for me, as a sports fan, I think these are the best two teams in the NBA with the best two players in the NBA on opposing teams, and it's a treat for the fans. I mean, LeBron is playing his heart out. Steph Curry's making shots that I used to think Larry Bird was the greatest shooter. Larry Bird couldn't carry <laughs> this guy's underwear. Oh. Like, Larry Bird, yeah, he was tough, and yeah, yep. he he was also six foot whatever. Steph Curry's small, and he's out there just dropping bombs on these people. Like if you are video game shots, yeah, it's it's entertaining, and for me, the best teams should compete for championships, and that's what we're seeing here. All right, we got LeBron versus Curry. Right now, this season, it looks like we have Kyle Busch versus Kevin Harvick. Yeah. If it comes down at Homestead to the two of those guys after the seasons they have so far yeah. going on, that would be a win for our sport. Absolutely. So why wouldn't it be a win for the NBA? Um, I think it's an incredible thing for both leagues. But 
I'm not a basketball guy. I care more about Stanley Cup Finals yeah. and the Vegas Golden Knights they're and down. what they're, they're going to do. To they're down 2-1 to one against the Caps. I care about that and NASCAR. I don't care about this NBA mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. The Caps, man. <laughs> That's a, a history Ryan Ellis' team. team, you know, and then you got the Vegas who just started. Like, I, I don't want, exciting. you know, I hate the Caps with all my heart. How exciting. I hate them, but like Vegas, man, that would be like a team coming in first year NASCAR. Yeah. And, you know, first time owner, rookie driver, all this stuff, and put a bunch of guys that weren't accepted by other, uh, you know, teams. Yeah. A ragtag group together, and they go out there and they win the championship. It's a great story, but in right. a way, I don't want it to happen because it's like, man, it shouldn't come that easy. I know. It, it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds too good to be true. You know, Aaron, who works for me, she uh, took me to my first game. It was a Caps game years ago. Shana, who works here, is a big Minnesota yeah, Wild yeah. fan. Joel, who spots for Eric Amarola, is a big Minnesota Wild fan. So really? I, I didn't know that. So I've been, yeah, he's got a bunch of buddies up there. Oh, so cool. I've been trying to follow it, man. Playoff hockey's intense. Playoff hockey, it's to me, playoff hockey is the best playoff in all of professional sport. They do a good job with it. And they fight. I love that. Yeah, not very much anymore. But Yeah, but they still fight. Yeah. I love it. A little it. bit. I think we should fight a little bit more here. But that's yeah. just me. That's another topic. Yeah. In studio fight? <laughs> no, not in studio. I'm talking on the track. Not this in the pit garbage where nobody sees it, man. In front of the grandstand. Yeah. So Madhouse is apparently coming back. Did you hear that? Yeah, the Madhouse technically isn't coming back, but, but the, a show a similar to it. it, and I, I can't really talk about it because I was, uh, I could, yeah, I, I, I've been helping shoot. Oh, you have? That's what you were doing on the Twitter picture the other day that you said yeah, you looked skinny on. Yeah, well, it's on. been out there now. Yeah, I did look skinny, man. Anytime I could look skinny, it's a good thing. You right? were like, I look skinny in this picture. Well, because so, it was like an aerial shot So from you were at row. Bowman Gray when that picture was taken. Yeah, I wasn't just standing in the infield you can confirm, eating jerky, which I actually was while I was working. You can confirm you were at Bowman Gray. I can confirm I was at Bowman Gray, and I can confirm there's some form of – see, it's already been reported that there's a television show being yeah. shot, so I guess I'm not breaking anything. Can we say what network it's on? I personally can't. Oh. But you can take a guess. It's not the old one. I know it's not the old one. Yeah. I, man, I'm but excited. bottom line I, is, any grassroots show. So I got to ask you this. You may, you may know incredible. the truth. You may know the truth to this. All right. Talk to me. Okay. So Madhouse comes on. I get addicted to it. I can't wait to get home on Sunday nights to watch, you know, these guys race and then they fight and then all the drama <laughs> around it. Right. I love it. I love it. And all of a sudden it goes away. And I heard NASCAR bought it up and shut it down. No. That ain't what happened. That isn't what happened. What happened? From what I was told... By two people that were inside, um, the History Channel executive did not like motorsports. So what an I idiot! Mean, don't, exactly. <laughs> don't know if that's completely true. I can't confirm that because I've never talked to this gentleman. Right. And just like that rumor is a rumor. Yeah. Uh, but all I know is there is a lot of noise made by that show, and there's a lot of money to be had. And if you look at Bo McGray the other night, man, there was. They, you know, I've been there a few times this year, and they have an off night, and they still have eleven thousand people. Right. You know, th- there's not nights where there's their capacity is sixteen thousand nine hundred people, and they're five deep around the out outer rim right. of the top of that stadium. Yeah. And it's just the eighth wonder of the world in motorsports. Yeah. It's an incredible, incredible thing, and and it's uh the the drama that ensues on that television show. What too, man? Like incredible on the business side, and, and I mean that's where my passion lies yeah. during the weekend racing, yep. right? On the business side, it gives a lot of hard-working, blue-collar guys like Junior Miller and those guys an opportunity he's, to sell he's sponsorship. Not in it, this year. it gives them an opportunity though, to sell sponsorship. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and when you were, while I was watching that show, I was like, man, this is a huge marketing yep. arm for this race team and a huge sales opportunity for these race teams. And then when I went away, I was like, dang it! Because uh, the guy that worked at MWR, 
at the time. Uh, Tim Brown. Tim uh, Brown. Was in this, uh, in this <clears throat> reportedly in the show. Right. Burt Myers, of course, was in it. Yeah. I mean, uh, now you got guys like Bobby Meesmer, uh, who Kevin Hughes owns his car. Yeah. With the yeah. But it's guys on the business side that, that, I mean, you know, I'm going, hey, huge dollar sign opportunity for these guys. And good for them. Yeah. They're, they're making no money. They're losing money every week they go show oh, up to dude, do Oh, dude, these guys make money now. When the Madhouse thing happened yeah. and that, that first season started airing, the weeks after that, Bowman Gray was like a sausage. It was like a sausage coming out of its casing when you leave it on the grill too long. It's like the place was exploding. There was no place to sit. Yeah. But then when they open up the pits afterwards and these drivers stand there by their cars, some of them, like this week, uh, Miesmer didn't even load his car so the fans could get there and get pictures in front of it and sign autographs. And buy T-shirts. You right. see it at dirt tracks all the time. You don't see it at asphalt tracks. Right. You don't see it anywhere anymore in the asphalt. They got it there. In the back. They of the got truck. it there. There was there was thousands of people in the pit area buying T-shirts, becoming fans for life of our sport. Right. And it's so so awesome to see. Yeah. Well, I'm glad the show's coming back. Allegedly, reportedly. Allegedly. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Discover in. Channel. Go ahead. All right. What's all right. next? Let's go and ask <laughs> DBC where producer Jason. <laughs> Chose Ask DBC questions while sitting in the Chicago airport. Jason, sound more excited. You picked these. Yeah, yeah. Come on, out. man. <laughs> Give us your better. Let, let's let's do a retake. Oh, you about got four hours. Okay, of sleep. I know. You're See, telling but, that hold on. to me. This four hours of sleep stuff for this college kid. I don't even want to hear it. Like, right. What do you think our four hours of sleep was back in our college days? Dude, We'd be a lot rougher I shape got than you. Four hours of sleep. God bless <laughs> I mean, what would Dick Trickle say right now, man? He used to have that deal two hours. Uh, uh, an hour of sleep for every hundred laps he had to race. Yeah. So you know how hard he could hit it yeah. at night. Jason, I mean, dude, suck it up. Yeah, come excited. on, man. All right. Suck enthusiasm. it up, Buttercup. That could be the title of the show. <laughs> suck yeah. it up, Buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> All right. More excited. First question at S. Bowen 81. Brett, did you ever confuse the four car with the 14 car anytime during the race? I did not during the race. Uh, and it was Good because question. it was because we were up front, you know, the majority of the race. And uh, had we been both running 10th to 15th, it could have easily happened. It happened once during practice, you know, because during practice, you're watching a lot of different things. And I see the blue car come under me and I'm like, that's me. I'm like, no, that's not me. I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm over there in the tunnel turn a mile and a half beyond what I thought was me. Uh, but during the race, no, it didn't happen. Fortunately for us. Uh, we ran up front. If Again, man, if this were a plate race, it could be a nightmare to pull this off. So I had no warning. The first time I saw this, it was on Twitter. Mm. And I sent the crew chief a message and was like, hey, a little help on a roof number would be nice. And uh, it's all good, man. It's a really cool promotion. I mean, when you look at look at the sport, and I mean, I remember as a kid, remembering uh, two Marlboro cars in the IndyCar series. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I think Elio Kestra Davis yeah, yeah. and, and, and Jill DeFerrin at one point. Yeah, they're, they're Penske. And, yeah. and you're like, man, this is kind of cool for me because it's almost like those two little IndyCar matchbox cars I played with and watched on TV. I can now in real life spot for a similar <laughs> scenario. So, and those were inverted paint schemes back in the day. We didn't really do that. It just was, you know, barely a one PMS shade of blue off <laughs> from the other one. But I just thought it was cool to, to be a part of that, honestly. And I like beer. Who doesn't? All right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Jason doesn't. <laughs> hey, you're not going to like beer the first time you taste it. Okay. Good I'm to know. You. Good to know. You're going to like For the something. first time you taste it, I'm sure you have not tasted it yet. Never, you're, ever. You're going to taste something. You're going to like something really sissified. He's going to be sitting there with Bar- Bartles and James wine coolers. Yeah, it's like a really, a really fruity Farms. vodka Bacardi drink is going to be your go-to. <laughs> 
and you're going to look like a wuss. <laughs> He's going to be sitting there pounding his mic for You're going to look like a six-foot-one wuss drinking this drink with his umbrella in it. But that's okay. Eventually, oh, you're going to... Oh, wait. Hold on a second. There is, it, it is acceptable to drink an umbrella daiquiri-type drink as a man at if you're beach. like at the beach. Yeah. yeah. So just I if you can do beach. that, just you're go practicing to the at the beach. Yeah. Man. Well, what's going to happen is one day... You're Don't be drinking be, that at the honky-tonk. You're going to be really, really hot outside from doing something. And I don't know what you kids do to actually get hot outside anymore. Because they go out in Phoenix. But if you go outside and you actually work, you start sweating. <laughs> and then when you start sweating, you get really, really thirsty. And after you get really thirsty from working, like raking leaves or mowing grass oh, or changing sucks. the oil in your car on a hot Spotting summer a day. Then when you drink that beer after that, you're going to oh. be like, oh, this is what they were talking about. And from that day on, <laughs> and you're going to call him. You'll like to taste a beer. All right. I'll yeah. call you when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to do the first part first, which I know is hard for you guys at 20 years old. to get hot and sweaty. Yeah. We go outside and shoot video content. That's our. Yeah. I know. I, how out, well I outdoor know. work. Walk around a blue. The blue sneakers, though, yeah. don't make your feet too uh, hot enough. Yeah. Go, man, like an orange. go cut some firewood. Like, go cut do something manly. What am I going to do with the firewood? I've got an apartment. Build a fire. Where? In the middle of a field. All right. yeah. I'll find so one. find a random field. Yeah. Kitties at home. <laughs> don't, don't do this. Yeah. Be a man. Like, Can I come to your house, build a fire? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll do that. See yeah. you there. I actually, I got a propane tank fire right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had a freaking, oh. <laughs> I had a fire pit at my last house. This new house has got like a, I got the propane one. I, uh, well, you were saying all that, and I felt, I felt like, like such a, a wuss. I felt like a wuss. Firewood, Brett. Because you're talking about like uh, cutting your own lawn, and yeah. lately I haven't cut my own lawn. Yeah. And and, and uh, you're talking about um, what was it? The changing other one? oil. Changing oil. Like, change dude, your car. I used to change my oil all the time in yeah. my truck and stuff, and now I got this little yeah. stupid car. I don't change the oil. All the but thing. so we threw watermelons all summer. I mean, we farm watermelons in yeah. Paisley, South Carolina, and dude, it was so That's hot. But it was harder to bale hay and load that crap up because it's 50-pound bales of hay versus 18, 15, 18-pound yeah. watermelons, heavy as you went. And but, an 18, 18-pound watermelon is an easier thing to throw because of the grip size yeah. compared to hay bales. But that's stuff. what you did to work out to get ready to play football the next year was you worked. You know, you didn't have P90X and all this crap these kids have now. <laughs> They're personal. I mean, I'm taking my obviously kid. obviously Jason's taking some I'm P90X. Taking my, my, kid is five, yeah. my kid's five years old, and I'm taking him to a personal baseball trainer this Wednesday. Well, that's okay for the, the you know, the, the swing. I and know, the, but we didn't have yeah. that. It was, you you went out and did it. I'm you had like, three baseball bats, kinda, and you swung those things. I, I kind of feel hypocritical doing it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because if you don't do it, these other kids get way better. Yeah. So you need your kid to be the best. Well, I'm competitive. <laughs> you know, it's gonna win. Yeah, it sucks to suck, and I don't like to suck. All right, at Scott Campo one ask: Should cup drivers who win in an Xfinity or truck race and have an illegal car be banned from that series for a set number of races? That's a good question. This isn't on the driver. Uh, this is on this is on NASCAR. Uh, and I'll be honest with you. I actually had some notes on this because this was going to be my rant, but I'll do it now. The integrity of the sport is in jeopardy when the winner of the race is found illegal and we let it continue to happen. We have to do one of two things. We have to start taking the win away or we have to loosen loosen these post-tech rules, right? These post-race tech rules. So we have a car that shows up. It gets inspected before it gets on the track. It gets cleared. Mainly a safety inspection, but nonetheless an inspection. Then before qualifying in the Xfinity Series, it gets another sticker to go out and be allowed to race. It passes. 
after the race, it fails and it wins. So Elliot Sadler doesn't win Dash for Cash. He doesn't win at Dover. He doesn't get the trophy. And Justin Algar was illegal. Okay, and you look at it and you go, man, that sucks. But at least it was a junior motorsports car. Then you get to Pocono. Elliot Sadler runs six. And you're like, hey, we'd have had a top five if they'd have kicked out the leader, the winner, who was once again illegal. Like, you're either legal or you're illegal. And if you're going to continue to get to win illegally, I don't understand how the integrity of the game isn't at risk. You have to do one of two things. You have to take the win away because they were illegal. And Matthew just said he don't want to take the win away. Well, dude, you're letting you're letting illegal guys win. Or you have to say we're going to change the way we do tech post-race. Boom. We're going to have some more leniencies and let engineering do its job because that's what's happening. People aren't building these cars to go out and be illegal. They're building them and setting them up from an engineering perspective to change during the race to go faster. That's working. And then the post-tech race deal is obviously catching them. So we have got to stop one of these two things. Stop letting the guy win who's illegal or make it easier to pass post-race tech. I I think you hit a, a huge point there. Huge point. Because if we take the win away, then the people that leave... Go, go read in the paper. Oh, wait, I watched Kyle Busch win, but he didn't win. That's disappointing. Now, if he had a, a freaking big block in there and it was something like that, something really stupid like that, I could see it. But when it's a, an aerodynamic measurement or something like that. Which is like a that, big advantage Which now. is a big advantage. I say you either don't slap him on the wrist. But obviously, these taking away the car cheap and stuff, that's not working. That's stupid. And, and it's stupid because of a guy like Kyle Busch, who's not our series regular, not that they went in there by design to do that, but if you change the inspection pro- process to where pre-race inspection, more onus is put on that, and once your car is cleared to actually compete in the race that morning, that aerodynamic and all those measurements there are not going to be measured in post-race. They got to do something. Okay, it, it, you know. If you want to do that, bring the winner to, to R&D, find out what they're doing, tell them not to return with that and that's how you do it but none of this encumbered cucumbered stuff anymore it's confusing here's the thing we know that bill france said i want the people in the stands when they leave the track to know who won the race and it's a great point not anymore because guess what you got when you leave the track you got facebook you got twitter you got serious radio you got all these means to find out oh by the way that changed kyle bush was found illegal but he still kept the win where i have the problem is but he still kept the win he can't be winning, and I'm not talking about Kyle. I'm talking about the sport. Yeah. You can't win and be illegal. If you're illegal, you're not a winner. You're a cheater. So change the change the freaking process after the race to where we don't identify all this crap. I mean, this is negative publicity about the sport that actually jeopardizes the integrity of the win. We don't need that crap out there, Matthew. You know that. I know that. It's we're too far advanced in times for this to still be going on. So you don't let me let me ask you this then, based off of that. Would you be okay if they inspected the cars before the yes. race and that's what it was? Yes. Besides major teardown in R and D, you know, to, if there was something really over the top wrong. Which is which is shocks. Shocks which or, is, or which is engine. engines. Yes, which is those kinds of things, absolutely. Or, or a completely blatant illegally part but that they missed. But here's the thing about that. When we go to Homestead, the championship contenders have to submit their car to NASCAR prior to the race. They have to submit their car at the R&D Center, yes. not at the track. Yes. Then, during the weekend, those four cars have one official that watches every single thing they do throughout the weekend. 
doing that garage bay so that there's no opportunity to alter those parts and pieces that have considered to be illegal in Concord, North Carolina, even though we're in Homestead, Florida. NASCAR doesn't have the manpower to do that. No. So if we're going to do it, we're opening up something that I'm a big fan of, which is pioneering the sport. It's you got your guys on the ground. They got their two to four hour window to, to, to pass these cars. Once they pass, hey, it's good luck. Yep. Good luck. May the best team, I don't mind that. the best driver, and the most innovative people on these teams win. I don't mind that at all. I don't either. But what we're doing right now, I'm, I'm, I'm aggravated by it. And if I'm aggravated by it, and people are asking us questions like this, because I didn't know this, the fans are. I didn't know this was in the show. The fans are, and this is not on our biggest stage, you know. And, and it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. But I hope they do something. I hope they do it like now. At K Stretch Twenty One, ask Brett mentioned not being able to see in turn one. Do you guys just go silent when you can't see, or do you just say good luck? I'll be back in a few seconds. So we can see turn one. It just the the biggest thing for us, K Stretch Twenty One, is they're going away from us, so our depth perception is really funky. I mean, they literally are a mile away from us, and we're looking at the bumper of the car. So if the car behind our car takes a left and appears to be inside, we can't really call inside because we can't tell. We can see it. We just can't call it very accurately. So uh, we they it's a timing thing. Like you see the run coming, you count the run coming like you're at a play track. Three, two, one, half, quarter. Looking low, then it's up for the them to, the driver to use their left side mirror and make a move. But, I mean, you, you saw yesterday uh, and, and on Saturday a lot of racing with no incidents down there. So I think, you know, the relationships between the driver and spotter works. But it is hands down the hardest corner in NASCAR to spot. Has there ever been any consideration, and you would know this, at Indianapolis, it's it's a its own monster as far as you have to have to have two spotters. Right. You know, sometimes I know people that have had a third. You know, you put a person down yep. in, in turn three, I believe it yep. is. Yep. Has there any ever been any consideration with the depth perception problem that there is a challenge, excuse me, yep. that there is at Pocono to put somebody down in turn one to to uh, better better judge that so yes and, and some guys do that they'll okay. put a spotter in turn one in the infield because they have a straight on look at the corner to say clear or not clear the difference though matthew is we don't run close enough long enough for it to matter the start of the race the restarts that's the only yeah. time where it's extremely important and you just they know they're in a lot of traffic if, if you hear a spotter say hold your line it means we don't really know what to tell you yeah. we can't clear you we can't tell you inside outside all we can say is Hold your line, and if you don't do anything, you won't get any surprises, that kind of thing. So I think because we're only talking about a handful of laps in a race, I mean, yesterday it was probably five or six laps total, a driver doesn't want to hear a strange voice just for that few laps. Yep. The solution to the problem is, and what makes it more exciting for the fans is, pick all those grandstands up on the front stretch, uh -huh. move them all to the tunnel turn, and make the, make, the, make the grandstands go from the long pond straightaway around the tunnel turn back to that short chute. Now you're giving fans a better vantage point of your race, and you're obviously giving spotters a better vantage point of the track to be able to clear them getting into one, clear them coming so off front of three. front stretch is boring. Put the start-finish line smack dab in the middle of the tunnel. <laughs> that's your answer. That's like Phoenix style. If but. I'm the president of Pocono Raceway, that's the first change that I make is I'm going to go in there and I'm going to move up. because the stands, the fans are sitting where the track is the least entertaining. Yes. The cars are literally just coming under them going, meow. Those guys are wheeling it across that tunnel. 
two wide, three wide. Like, it's exciting back and they're there. they're on edge. I'm watching the ARCA race driving out the tunnel. I'm like, look at these guys getting it over here. When they come <laughs> under us, we don't see that. No. So put the stands in the tunnel. I'm telling you, change the whole dynamic of that race. I like it. I have no nothing to say uh, besides awesome. <laughs> it'll never it'll never happen. Well, that's because I'm not the president. Just, just just like my idea for Pocono would be to. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I love that place, but it, it is oh, it's not the greatest racetrack we go to, and I love that area, and I love the fans up there, and I love all that. But but oh, if we could if we could if we could somehow take that track and make it a or make an alternate three-quarter mile oval. Uh, they used to have a, the race of champions here for the Modifieds and the National that. Parts Peddler Street Stock Championships there that used the front stretch and cut in and, and, and you know, came around back where our garages basically are yeah. um, and, and had a short track. And that racing was spectacular. I would love to explore that idea or a track inset within that track. So the two Pocono races that June and July – so close together on the schedule where it's just like it's not as special as it should be right um if they're at variant tracks yeah one was on the pocono two and a half mile uh incredibly unique weird racetrack i think we'd appreciate that track a little bit more yeah and then we'd go to the pocono short track within the same facility they have such a huge property there they could make it happen i don't see why not i look at the identity thing that charlotte just did they do an all-star package 600 a row like they have for the first time a lot of identity yes. within each weekend and i look at these other tracks like dover like pocono that put on the same race distance in the same event two different times start at the same time like bristol is the same racetrack but we know it as a day race yep. night race there's an identity same thing you know like at a lot of these places but there's no identity to go to pocono twice and it'd be a 400 mile race make one of them a 200 like yeah. If you want to try shortening races, that's a great twin, place twin to try. Twin 150s. Yeah, whatever. Like, there's there's a good – the I've always said that. Yeah. Pay half the points for yep. each 150. Yep. We've seen it work in IndyCar. Yep. Uh, that would be a way to spice up the second Pocono. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I was watching the finals last night, and, and I was oh, like – NBA? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, NBA. So it's a best of seven series. Yeah. I'm looking at Homestead, and I'm like, man, should Homestead be the best of three races and we run a triple header in one day and your average finishing determines champion? Because it is a lot to ask of somebody for it all to be on the line for one race in the finals, you know, because you had the nine races that got you eligible. I was like, man, how, what, about a, what about a double points paying double header? Like something to make it fun. Uh, anyway, it, it'll never if, happen. If, if but we, you're laying if, in bed. Only. You're, you're laying in bed and you're bored and you're like, man, this could be good. Let's run a two out of three at Homestead, see what happens, you know? I do a lot of thinking like that, and if I had an outlet to, to really discuss it, it would be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Valid. Let's make some picks. We don't have picks. TJ's yeah, so, off. So TJ's off. Am I making TJ's pick? No. Do you no. want me to – hey, if you give me like 20 bucks, I'll pick like Morgan Shepard. Well, that's what I, – I know how he's going to cry if he loses. Well, yeah, I mean, do he's – text him? So, he's cried a lot. No, what year. we'll do is next week we'll pick two guys. We'll, oh, he'll, he'll wow. Pick, he'll pick one, I'll pick one. He'll pick one, I'll Wanna pick one. Want to pick a guy one. for fun you know and I mean? not burn off yeah. like of anybody? Yeah, of anybody we want. Just for fun? Yeah. I'll, I'll let you ladies go first. You Kevin go. Harvick. I'm not <laughs> stupid. <She> crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not stupid. Uh, he, led, he led a record. He led 12,000 laps. He has now led 12,000 laps in his career. He led the 12,000th yeah. lap yesterday at Pocono. That's incredible. Uh, and when I, the crazy thing is you look at this guy and you go, man, he's been 
dominant and a championship contender for three or four consecutive seasons. Like, what would have happened if he'd been in a Jimmy Johnson situation with Rodney Childers uh, at Stuart Haas from from the get go, or you know Bennett Hendrick from from the get go? Or yeah. I mean, because obviously Childers is a great race team, and Kevin had a lot of success there, but he's more dominant and and doing bigger things now than he's ever done. Is that maturity though? You know, I don't race know. car drivers sometimes get better, and, and we've forgotten this after know. the Gordon era where it's just all about these young kids. Yeah. Some race car drivers back when I was growing, uh, when they was growing up, yeah. they got better as they, they entered their late 30s into yeah. their Jarrett 40s. Exactly. Dale Jarrett was one of them. So that he could be an example of maybe. that. Maybe. You know, maybe. I, I don't know the answer to that question, but you just sit here and watch it, and you go, wow. Yeah. Like, Plus, they've hit, yeah, they've hit it at the right Hall of time. Famer. He's, a he's Hall of hit famer. it at the right time. Having Rodney is is brilliant as he is and he's yep. so shy and yep. uh you know it's 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 unbelievable he's an incredibly smart racing mind right well he's as a far racer as setting up race cars he's a, racer. he's a late model racer himself yeah um i'm okay if we go to d- these dbc picks i'm just gonna put my money where my mouth was before even though i don't think it's the most smart pick great golf. but since we're having fun i'm <laughs> mike Harmon. <Yeah. laughs> he's not even in it uh i'm gonna say uh chase elliott just for fun yeah, yeah. It's, it's for fun yeah it's for fun put a donut or something on it it was national Although donut day last week i did hear that i, did I ate two donuts that day it was amazing it yeah. was great for my donut jason uh my personal donut. thanks for stepping up of course how do you go to phoenix and and come back and not even have a sunburn Hey, I've yeah, what used is up plenty with that? of sunscreen. because you don't go outside. No, Tell we went me. hiking up Camelback. It was really hot. Oh, did you go in into uh, the university snakes? area there and go to, like, the library? Do you remember the oh, library? Yes. <laughs> we used to go to the library, yeah. all of us, oh, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. The library. The library. I'm telling you, the library is where it's at. All right. Because there's librarians the there. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm worried about Jason's fun meter. I'm not sure this kid knows how hey, to have fun. school just ended, 21st, so I got a whole summer of fun. 21st birthday, we need to have an unofficial DBC um, fun meter pegged party yeah. and show this kid a good time. Yeah. Go on the lake. <laughs> now, that's fun. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to go on the lake. Yeah. That's fun. That'll be a good time. Just need a boat. I got a boat. All right. I'm yeah, on a check. boat. Yeah. I got a boat. And I got a cooler. Hey, that's important. I got a credit card. You got gasoline. <laughs> I know college kids are good at using credit <laughs> cards. I got gas. We can charge the gas. Yeah. We got a credit card. Yeah, we get. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Mom said to me one time when I was a kid, she's like, I don't have any money. I'm like, just write a check. She's like, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. We <laughs> don't have any good. money credit to write cards, a check. Credit cards are a lot oh, easier need, to do that. You need money to write a check? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are long gone. But I know what it means. All right. Thanks for listening. I know this was a long show. Matthew, thanks for filling in. Hasta la vista. Jason, good job. Thanks to One Main and Exalta for the studio. Yes. Make sure uh, y'all send Jason some tips on how to have fun. We're out. Please. See ya. (laughs) See ya. You've been listening to Door Bumper Clear, brought to you by One Main. For updates on Elliott Sadler and the number one junior motorsports team, go to OneMainRacing.com. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.